0: One day during the St. Louis World's Fair in 1904, a tattoo artist named Gus Wagner approached an aerialist named Maud Stevens and asked her to go on a date with him. She had caught his eye, although of the two of them, Gus was certainly more eye-catching. His hundreds of tattoos ensured that he stood out in a crowd. Maud said yes to Gus, but on one condition, she would only go out with him if he taught her about tattooing. Within a few months, Maud and Gus were married and Maud Wagner had an impressive collection of tattoos all her own. The pair would travel throughout the United States, showing off their inked bodies to awestruck crowds and giving tattoos to all who wanted them. In doing so, Maud Wagner would become the first known female tattoo artist in the United States, a woman who defied convention in the most colorful way possible and took ownership of her body at a time when women weren't even allowed to vote. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher All That's Interesting, where we explore the uncharted corners of the natural world and the world past. I'm All That's Interesting staff writer, Kalina Fraga. Today, we'll discuss the remarkable and colorful life of Maude Wagner, the first known female tattoo artist in the United States. Stevens was born on February 12, 1877 in Emporia, Kansas. Little is known about Maud's early life. What we do know is that, one way or another, she drifted toward the life of a traveling circus performer, where she worked as an aerialist and a contortionist. As Maud grew up at the tail end of the 19th century, she would have probably encountered very, very few people with tattoos. But that didn't mean that tattoos didn't exist during the Victorian age. On the contrary, they were enjoying a surge of popularity from an unlikely source, the upper crust. So what prompted this craze? Surprisingly, the excitement around tattoos came from England's royal family. It became known that several members, men and women, had inked their bodies. Prince Albert Victor, the grandson of Queen Victoria, got a stork. His brother George, who would later become George V, King of England, got a dragon and a tiger. In his diary, George wrote, I've got a dragon on one arm done at Tokyo and a tiger on the other done in Kyoto. George described the dragon as, quote, blue and white and writhing down his arm. Unfortunately, no photographs exist. Their father, Prince Albert Edward, had even gotten a few tattoos in his time during a trip to Jerusalem. He got five crucifixes and three crowns. Following this royal revelation, Victorians of a certain class followed suit. Discreetly, of course. Winston Churchill's mother got a small tattoo of a snake eating its tail on her left wrist. And it wasn't long before the tattoo trend jumped across the pond. By 1897, the New York world estimated that some 75% of American society women had tattoos. Victorian fashions made it easy for women to have their cake and eat it too, since small tattoos could be easily concealed by long sleeves. Popular designs included butterflies, flowers, and dragons. However, by the time Maud Wagner began to develop her passion for tattoos, the trend had begun to lose steam. The invention of the electric tattoo machine made tattoos easier to get, and many elites shrugged off the trend now that it was accessible to the masses. Plus, most people with visible tattoos were criminals, convicts, who had long embraced the art form regardless of the tattoo's popularity, or more often, unpopularity. This, and new concerns about the safety and hygiene of tattoos, led society to turn against them. As the world marched into the 20th century, tattoos were taboo. Sailors and soldiers might get a tattoo during wartime, but the upper crust had exhausted the trend. By 1920, one American socialite sniped that tattoos were better suited for quote, illiterate seamen than aristocrats. But it was a different story in the circus. the 1904 World's Fair, where there would have been countless attractions as far as the eye could see, Gus Wagner would have stood out. He was known as the Tattooed Globetrotter and claimed to be the most artistically marked-up man in America. When Maude and Gus met, he probably had about 300 tattoos. By the end of his life, he would have around 800. Gus was known to boast to onlookers that his tattoos told the story of his life, and painted a canvas of his worldly adventures, he'd say, "I've got a history of my life on my breast, a history of America on my back, a romance with the sea on each arm, the history of Japan on one leg, and the history of China on the other." He had indeed trotted around the globe. Gus Wagner saw his first tattooed man at the age of twelve, Captain Constinus, the Greek Albanian at a travelling show and, as a merchant sailor, had learned how to give tattoos by hand from tribesmen in Java and Borneo. By the time Gus and Maude met in 1904, tattoos given by hand were going out of style. New York tattoo artist Sam O'Reilly had invented the electric tattoo machine in 1891, and most preferred this easier, faster method. But Gus stuck with the old stick-and-poke technique, and Maude was intrigued. As the story goes, she agreed to go out with Gus, but only if he would teach her how to give tattoos. Before long, Maud's skin began to blossom with colorful designs of trees and animals and flowers. She was hooked, on tattoos and on the man. A few months later, on October 3rd, 1904, Maud and Gus were married. The tattoos that Maude began to collect up and down her arms and across her chest, up to her collarbone, were typical of the period. She had patriotic tattoos, including a military tattoo on her shoulder which may have been in homage to her father, a Civil War veteran, as well as her own name tattooed on her arm, and tattoos of monkeys, butterflies, lions, horses, snakes, trees, and women. Maud even had a tattoo of a snake climbing a tree, perhaps a nod to the Garden of Eden. But there was nothing typical about Maud. Maud and Gus were completely covered in tattoos. They would stand out even today when tattoos are more socially acceptable. And they definitely stood out at the beginning of the 20th century. This was especially true because the royal glamor of tattoos had long since faded. Newspapers had begun to warn their readers that tattoo needles could spread venereal diseases. Plus tattoos were hard to get people couldn't simply walk down the street to their neighborhood tattoo parlor. You would have to know a guy who knew a guy. All this meant that very few Americans had tattoos, at least tattoos they would have displayed. By 1936, Life magazine estimated that just 6% of the country had a tattoo. The couple was aware of this, and they used it to their advantage. Maud and Gus displayed their inked bodies to awestruck crowds, they might have earned as much as $200, $2000 today for showing off their tattoos during a circus performance. Plus, Gus and Maud didn't just display their ink. They happily gave tattoos to anyone who wanted to buy one at the St. Louis World's Fair between April 1904 and September 1904. Gus and Maud probably gave around 2000 people, circus audiences and circus performers mostly, tattoos. This made Maud Wagner the first known female tattoo artist in the United States. Their daughter, Lateva, born in 1907, later recalled that most people wanted a tattoo of an animal. She said that people generally asked for, quote, tattoos of their pet dogs, cats, lovers' hearts, butterflies, and birds, and she added, how they do love birds. Maud and Gus had an unconventional business, but it could be fairly lucrative. Teva remembers that on a good week, her father could make as much as a bank president. The couple worked in a variety of places, everywhere from circuses to Wild West shows. But they could pass as normal when they wanted to. The conservative fashions of the time meant that they could easily cover up their tattoos, and they frequently did. This didn't stop their neighbors in Emporia, Kansas from warning local children about the quote, circus freaks down the road, however. Maud Wagner had married an unconventional man and Gus would die in an unconventional way. He was struck by lightning in 1941. Accounts state that although Gus survived the initial strike, he was greatly weakened and only lived another year. Maud outlived her husband by two decades. She died at her daughter's home in Lawton, Oklahoma on January 30, 1961, one month shy of her 84th birthday. Maud seems to have instilled a love of tattoos in their daughter, And although Loteva never got inked herself, she believed that if her father couldn't do it, she didn't want anyone to do it, she did become a tattoo artist like her parents. Today, it's fairly common to see people with tattoos. In the right city, it's common to see people with lots and lots of tattoos, even rivaling what Maud and Gus had. But Maud is part of a larger legacy about women and tattoos. By covering her body in ink at a time when women had few rights, women couldn't even vote until 1920, Maud Wagner took ownership of her body. This fits in well with the theory of Margot Mifflin, the author of Bodies of Subversion, A Secret History of Women and Tattoos. Mifflin writes, Tattoos appeal to contemporary women both as emblems of empowerment and self-determination. Mifflin says that this is especially true at a time when controversies about abortion rights, date rape, and sexual harassment have made women think hard about who controls their bodies, and why. In this way, Maude Wagner was definitely a woman before her time, someone who fearlessly controlled her body and her destiny. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029 or email us at podcast at allthisinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlaz, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, US versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous US-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.